It is the 200 level episode 104 from the basement. Mike Carpenter here. And if you happen to hear thunder or something like that during this podcast, that's only because we have yet another storm rolling in. It is July 21st, late on a Tuesday morning. And I got to be honest, you know, I was thinking about what to do this week because I'm going on vacation next week. There are some things brewing, things in the works that I'm really excited to share with you. Uh, And there's not a whole lot of new stuff in a sports sense. We do have baseball starting again on Thursday. We got basketball starting on July 31st. We have football and those negotiations between the Players Union and the NFL are probably going to get contentious all about the health and safety protocols. So there is plenty to talk about, but nothing all that new from when we would have last met. There are some larger concerns that I was going to talk about today, specifically how certain guys in sports media have turned a lot of the things going on socially, whether it be with COVID-19 or with the racial discussion, and really started this sort of divide and conquer kind of thing with sports media consumers, where you find yourself on one side of the argument or the other, when in actuality, there are a lot of gray areas and nuances that could and probably should be discussed. But that's not what you're going to see at Fox Sports. That's not what you're going to see at ESPN. So we're going to get into that uh, in a little bit. We are going to talk about baseball. And it has been so much fun over the course of last weekend and even last night to watch a little bit of Cubs and White Sox, which, by the way, the White Sox, whoa. We talked about Casey Boguslaw last week. He has reason to be excited for that young lineup. And if the pitching staff holds up, that's a dangerous team. And then, of course, I was watching the Yankees and Mets on Saturday night. And we got Thursday night, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer to kick things off. So yeah, we got some good stuff coming up, but yeah, I was sort of thinking Monday and then even earlier this morning, well, what is there specifically to talk about? I think I got some things and also some exciting developments I want to share with you, but first... Before we get into any of that, got to remind you that the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com, and here's the best thing of all they deliver anywhere in Champaign Urbana. So you can stay at home, especially when it's raining, like it is again. They'll bring it to you, piping hot, with whatever toppings you want for a custom zone, or maybe one of their favorites, like a buffer zone or Maui Wowie. Order online at dpdo.com. Also, Fourth and Kirby. Online at fourthandkirby.com, and I got a special sneak preview of some new designs they have coming up this fall. They're sick, especially the Illini football ones that they have coming up, whether or not there is a season. And I think we'll probably find our way to a few games, right? But regardless, these are t-shirts that I promise you when you see these retro Illini football t-shirts, even for myself, more of an Illini basketball fan, I got to get a few of these, and I plan on doing just that. You can go to fourthandkirby.com, use coupon code the 200 level or 200 level, either one, for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name the kind of insurance they got you covered. But more than that, they are not just insurance experts. They are local products. They're from Champaign-Urbana, so they have your local interest at heart. It is Trevor Valise's favorite domain name for good reason. BrianIsMyGuy.com for State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. Again, that's BrianIsMyGuy.com. Also, of course, Illini Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners in the relaunch of the 200 level. I say relaunch, it's episode 104. I guess that would make it, I'm not an accountant like my parents. What is that? 68 episodes since we started up last August. That's not bad for the first year. And when we did this initially last August, September, October, it was a weekly thing. Then basketball pushed it up. And then the pandemic, it's like, well, I might as well just come down here and do two or three episodes a week. Now, I never want to shortchange the audience. 
right? And that's why I feel coming to you today almost unprepared in, in a weird way. You know, what what specifically is there to talk about in terms of Illini recruiting and all that? Usually I leave more of the recruiting stuff to Jeremy Warner. Of course, you can always follow him and he's got all the latest stuff about that. I, I tend to do the more macro thing with recruiting. Where's the class ranked at now? And it is getting better for Lovey Smith, but each and every individual recruit, unless it's a huge splash, I just sort of absorb it, move on, and then just kind of wait until the final product is there. So for those really topical issues, that's why Jeremy's the best at what he does. For the larger macro issues, that's often what we cover here. And it has been a weird last few days in trying to gain any sort of idea about how college football specifically is going to happen. And we've had many discussions about this. We had Sheldon Jacobson, the professor from the University of Illinois. And even though he noted all the dangers associated with it, all the risk associated with playing college football, he ultimately said if students come back to campus that you might as well just play the games at that point, that the risk of transmission on the football field is not so much greater than the risk of transmission just on campus in general. So all right, let's take our chances. That was an interesting conversation that you can go back and listen to. Uh, let's see, I think it was about three episodes ago, episode 101 with Sheldon Jacobson. So as we've waited for more direct news about what may happen, we did have Josh Whitman come out last week along with Robert Jones, the chancellor from the University of Illinois. And you know they both acknowledged that the current climate is not conducive to playing college football, or I should say the current climate invites a lot of risk into something that they're trying their very best to plan for. All the testing, the Big Ten making the decision to only play conference games, one more step that they're taking to try to limit transmission and actually get these games in because it is essential for these Power 5 programs to get that football revenue. They depend on it. They have an entire DIA staff over there where you will probably see layoffs if they don't get these games in. And that's speculative, but I think that's probably common sense when you consider the fact that most of these Power 5 athletic departments are operating on a razor-thin margin. Hard to believe, I know, with all the money that comes into college sports, but that is certainly the case, including here at the DIA over in uh, Champaign. But I'm thinking about, okay, do we know any more here on this Tuesday, July 21st than we did last week when Josh Whitman and Robert Jones spoke? We do not. Do we know that the numbers of COVID-19 are going up in general? Yes, they are. Are they going up that much here in Illinois? Percentage-wise, no, they aren't. You know, the, the actual rate of positivity, pretty low. I think in Champaign-Urbana, it's still about 1.2%. You can live with that. In, in terms of a pandemic, you're thinking, all right, we're in a fairly safe community, and those student-athletes have been back now for about a month. All of those are positives. And then you start seeing the actual blueprint for how they would get these game days set up in terms of getting people into the stadium, spreading them out, grab and go concessions, all that sort of thing. And you begin to think, okay, as we sit here six weeks away, let's say, from when the first game would be in an altered schedule, we can do this. We can somehow pull this off. And God knows they're going to try. Health and safety concerns aside, they need this for a variety of reasons. And it is a somewhat impossible position for a Josh Whitman or any athletic director at any other Big Ten school or Power Five school, because especially for Josh Whitman as a former athlete himself, I think he is well aware of the health and safety concerns, the fact that these players do not have representation, that the whole student-athlete moniker has a whole host of issues. He's aware of that, but he's also heading up a Power Five athletic department and all the financial burdens that come with it. 
he has to run this like a business. I don't think that sort of moral dilemma uh, would put him or many other ADs in some sort of you know, negative light. I, I think we understand that there are gray areas and that best intentions aside, I don't think that many of these athletic directors are like daddy warbucks and they're only in it for the money. I, I don't necessarily think that at all. But I'm noticing that there is this continual push in certain quarters of sports media. And I'll get specific here. Clay Travis is this guy that's on Fox Sports Radio. I'm, I'm not entirely sure of his whole lineage of like where he started. I think he might have been at ESPN for a while. But he is mostly known for SEC football coverage. And he's one of those guys. And, and I've, I've learned this over the years that certain media personalities present themselves as meat and potatoes, common sense kind of guys. Okay, so Clay Travis would be one of them. He's a normal average Joe. Right, He's just here for the sports. He doesn't like his politics mixed in with sports, even though often he brings politics into it himself. Dan Dockich would be another example. As much as I enjoy him as a color commentator, his whole shtick over in Indianapolis on his daytime talk radio show is that of the meat and potatoes common sense guy, and he's just going to give you his two cents, and that's just kind of how it is, right? I, I think even from a local sense and national, it doesn't matter where you hear him, Mike Ditka has often played up that sort of role. You know, hey, listen, I'm just saying, you know, common sense, that sort of thing. But when you actually get down to the arguments, often they are not based in common sense. They're based in sort of faulty logic. They aren't well-researched or anything like that. They are really going towards more of an emotional response from their audience. And I get that because sports are an emotional sort of thing. We can throw logic and reasoning into it, but at the end of the day, I don't need sabermetrics thrown in my face for the entirety of my baseball viewing experience. I like to actually emote and feel things. And that's where guys like Clay Travis or Dan Dockage or Mike Ditka, that's where they excel. So there's a market for that. And I get it. You know, we look at sports and I think about the early days of sports talk radio when I was listening to 670 and it was Murph and Fred. And I compare that to, let's say, Bernstein or Boris and Bernstein, especially. And it's night and day, two very different shows. And I've always tended to lean more towards the Boers and Bernstein thing than the Murph and Fred, or currently, I guess it's Molly and Haw, even though before that was Molly and Hanley. You look at Mike and Mike on ESPN. For me, I need a little bit more depth to my sports talk. I need them to explore things beyond just what happens inside the lines of play. And that's where the current climate has really drawn a line in the sand for a lot of these sports media types and made it all the easier for a Clay Travis to really kind of establish some notoriety and say, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to be the guy that says COVID-19 isn't really that big of a threat. The college football players, they just need to get out there and play that sort of thing. And I think to give you context for why I have an issue with some of the things that he says, I may as well actually give you some direct quotes from Clay Travis, especially within the last 48 hours, that it focused on college football and all the issues that it's facing with COVID-19. This is from yesterday. Quote, it appears the SEC not only wants to play a full conference schedule, but an entire slate of college football this season. Props to them. We don't need to tuck our tails between our legs and run and hide like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Everyone should be playing. That right there is indicative of what he's been doing, right? That's an emotional sort of thing where if you are a rah rock college football guy, you might hear that and say, yeah, that's right, Clay. You go get them, right? You go get those scientists and those experts. Using language like tuck their tails between their legs when referring to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten for only wanting to play conference games. It goes back to the sort of machismo, this macho, tough guy, puffing out your chest sort of thing. Well, they should all be playing. This has been his MO recently. 
Another gem from Quay Travis, quote, the college football media is opposed to college football this season because they hate Donald Trump. But if college football is canceled, a lot of them are going to lose their jobs because they spend six months arguing against the existence of the sport they cover. There's a lot to unpack there and not in some sort of, wow, there's a lot of depth there, but there's a lot of uh, (laughs) deflection, uh, weird logic. And again, it all goes back to emotion. This is what I will give him credit for. He is good at getting emotion, whether you agree or disagree with him. And I guess there's some skill involved in that. I mean, he's fully aware of what his shtick is. And I do use the word shtick because that's what it is. But let's start with the first line here that the college football media is opposed to college football this season because they hate Donald Trump. I'll speak personally. I don't like Donald Trump. I'm kind of tired of him, and I think I've made that pretty apparent on this podcast. I'm not even a huge Illini football fan. I like them when they're winning, but man, do they piss me off when they're losing. But I can guarantee you all this, and I think 200-level listeners, you would probably know I'm telling you the truth when I say that no, I don't want college football to be canceled because I hate Donald Trump. In fact, I don't want college football At my core, I don't want it to be canceled. I want Saturdays to look forward to where I'm watching the games, even if it's just out on the porch and I got a makeshift tailgate at my house instead of Lot 31. I still want that. It's part of my fall. So that is immediately uh, just faulty logic that would have no basis in fact, right? This is equating this to some sort of kind of left-wing conspiracy that what all the sports media types and hey, they're in the media, you know, the monolithic thing we call the media the fake news media, clearly they're liberal and they hate Donald Trump, so therefore they don't want college football, even if they write about college football, even if they enjoy it. He goes on to say, but if college football is canceled, a lot of them are going to lose their jobs because they spent six months arguing against the existence of the sport they cover. I don't get the last part there. Arguing against the existence of the sport they cover. It exists. Whether or not they play games, that's a whole separate issue. If college football is canceled, a lot of them are going to lose their jobs. Yeah. So right here, we have someone within the span of 15 seconds saying college football media, they hate college. Well, sorry, they hate Donald Trump. So therefore, they are willing to let college football go by the wayside, even if that means losing their jobs. Ultimately, the logic that he's using here, college football media people, they hate Donald Trump so much that they're willing to lose their jobs for it. I don't get it. I don't. I don't want to lose my job for Donald Trump. I I know that much. Uh, But this is just, uh, I got one more for Clay Travis later. And as I read it, my head kind of hurts because he does deliver it in a way. I mean, again, there is talent there, just like there is with Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity. You name anyone that can do a solo show five times a week, a couple hours, two, three hours a day. There is talent there, undeniably. I had a hard enough time coming down here today and saying, okay, I need to put together, what, like a 40-minute podcast because not a lot of things have really happened in terms of top of mind Illini stuff. But nonetheless, I want to make sure that when I come down here and do this, that I am putting forth some sort of thought and logic into what I'm delivering and not just coming on and spewing hot takes, essentially. And we know that the whole hot take thing really ratcheted up with the likes of Stephen A. Smith and first take with Skip Bayless and him. Okay, that's fine. And it's only been perpetuated over the years. But now you have the Wolcanes and the Clay Travises of the world, and their whole thing is fulfilling a niche that they think was not filled before, which is the sort of conservative sports media figure. That in and of itself is not a problem. Okay, to be conservative 
is not an issue here. To be liberal is not an issue either. But what I'm seeing here with a guy like Clay Travis specifically is turning the COVID-19 thing into this larger culture war. He's saying that college football fans or college football media, they don't want college football to be played because they hate Donald Trump. Again, not based in fact, but it's simply playing to a lot of the SEC fans that might enjoy that sort of rah-rah, puff your chest out, pro-Donald Trump sort of shtick. I I keep using that word because that's essentially what it is. I think he might even know better, but he does know that when he says things like this, it will get attention even from a small-time media operation like the 200 level in a basement in Champaign, Illinois. So yeah, it does get a reaction, but it doesn't make it right. You know, and I can't sit here and say that I would make it some sort of goal to, you know, apply a purity test to all sports media types because God knows without sports actually being played, we're all kind of winging it and we're all sort of figuring out what we can say and what topics we can talk about and remain interesting. That is a challenge. But I would still hope that people at that level, like a Clay Travis, would do better. You know, or at least put the effort forth to be learning or to uh, be furthering actual dialogue instead of making up a sort of straw horse argument about how college football media types, they hate Donald Trump and blah, 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 right? Because again, it's not based in statistics or facts. Now, one thing he has been doing a lot of is covering COVID-19 and he's been dealing with the facts. He's got a lot of graphs and all that. And you know what? At least he's using numbers, but he is turning it into much more of a, we'll see, you know, not that many people are dying from it and therefore we should just go back to normal. Now, we have talked about the pandemic a lot on the show because, well, guess what? It's sort of the top of mind for everybody on almost a daily basis. It sucks that it is, but it's there and it is unfortunately having an effect on sports. What I've tried to avoid is being alarmist. I've tried to avoid being a fear mongerer because at the end of the day, I don't have a ton of fear myself for this virus. I have concern. I don't want to get it, and I certainly don't want to pass it on to other people, but I've been going to the grocery store. I'm able to go out and get something for the house if I need to. I don't mind being around people as long as they're masked on, and I'm masked, and that sort of thing. I'm, I'm noticing that any sort of mental... Um, gymnastics I had to play back in March and April, like many of us did when this started, that's kind of fading because this is our reality. And at the end of the day, we do have to live somewhat through this. We can't just stay in our homes. So there's nuance to it, right? You don't want to be a fear mongerer, but you want to exercise caution. He's taking it the other direction and essentially saying that, well, college football, it's all the games should be played. All these guys should be out in the field, you know, running into each other. And often the argument that he and other people are making are, listen, 99% of them, they're going to be fine. That may be true. But I find the lack of humility in the face of this novel virus, right? We don't have a whole lot of paperwork on this thing yet. It's not even a year old. I find the lack of humility and the puffing out of one's chest. Nah, I'm not going to wear a mask. Nah, let all the college football teams play each other. All, All 12, 13 games, it'll be fine. I find that to be delusional in a lot of ways. I find that to be mostly males trying to talk themselves into this sort of, it's just, come on, it's like the flu, uh, no big deal, without actually having regard for others. And most troubling to me, I think, is the amount of bluster that it's often delivered with. When there are 140,000 people plus dead, more to come, God knows that, when actual positive cases are skyrocketing, we're number one in the world for being the worst in the world at this. And we have American sports media personalities kind of towing the company line of the White House. And God knows there's a lot of misinformation coming out there. 
and and turning their sports media programs into these sort of hey get over it get out there get the economy going again we got to get schools open and again Clay Travis said we need to open schools another reason why we probably shouldn't consider the source right but it does seem like the bluster involved with the way that he and others are speaking about this pandemic and even it's specifically its impact on sports is just lacking any sort of compassion for the reality of what's going on. This is unprecedented. We've been this far. You know, in my mind, we're five months into this, essentially, almost, right? Four and a half, almost five months. And as much as it sucks, and as much as we want to get back to normal, there are reasons to be optimistic. Vaccines on the way, therapeutics on the way, the fact that mass coverings do work, about 80% of the time in terms of transmission, these are all positive things that you know he could be focusing on, but instead it's turned into this sort of culture war thing about football and school. Everything needs to open up because A, it's not that dangerous, B, most people don't die from it, and C, I want my sports. That is the short-sightedness and the selfishness that you know. sometimes when I see videos of people inside of Whole Foods Karens, for example, not wanting to wear their mask. I get angry. I try to laugh at it. And then I also try to remind myself that, okay, this is hopefully a smaller percentage than I'd like to think. Maybe it's 20% of people. I don't know what that percentage is. And that's where sometimes I get a little bit despondent about the reality of things, that there are actually probably a lot of people that view this as a sort of <laughs> whatever, you know, Come on, get, get out there, do your thing. We're, we're just going to resume things as normal, herd immunity, all that, right? Without just regard for human life at the end of the day, that we can't just stick this out a little bit more as a community of people, right? And maybe this is pie in the sky sort of idealism coming from me here, but bear with me for a second, that we've made it this far and that we can make it to that point where the therapeutics are available and the vaccines are available and science. Remember that? Science, experts, the ones that are actually going to take care of the situation for us, not the Clay Travises of the world. Just the lack of humility is, is astounding to me. Coming from a guy that, again, SEC football, media type, has been doing radio for a while. Again, there's some talent there. I won't deny that. But I, I find just a fundamental laziness and kowtowing to people's worst instincts playing on emotion instead of logic. To me, that's something that God knows I will get emotional on this show. And I'll say things that are purely coming from a sort of fanatical perspective. Oh, Lovey Smith stinks, something like that, right? And I try to acknowledge it in the moment that I'm not operating on this sort of logical mind, that I am emoting and I know it's not reasonable or anything like that, but it is what it is. I try to acknowledge that. The danger and what like a Clay Travis is doing is that he's delivering these things in a way, presenting some graphs and stats to try to make his emotional arguments appear logical. And that is actually more dangerous than anything. If he were some raving lunatic on the air, we just kind of get a chuckle and move on. But he's found this way to deliver it in a a little bit calmer demeanor than maybe he had two, three years ago. And he's positioning himself as the reasonable man, the reasonable meat and potatoes guy. We're going to get back. I know that's not his accent, but we're going to get back out there and do these things because we can. And then uh, not that many people are going to get hurt. So don't fall for it. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you probably are not the most avid listener of Clay Travis. Part of the reason I went into this is there was this 
uh, reply on Twitter yesterday after I had retweeted one of these ridiculous Clay Travis things. And someone said, you know, why the hatred for Clay Travis? I don't hate him. There's not many people I hate. You could probably guess one or two of them. But there's not many people I hate. For one, I don't know him. Two, I don't listen to him regularly. Um, I think just as someone that is trying to figure out their own thing in terms of how do you podcast about sports in an environment without it and try to open some dialogue and conversation that's actually actually meaningful and could further some um, interesting ideas that I look at what he's doing and I find it to be counterproductive. I find it to be dangerous to present this as some sort of not all that dangerous, not that big of a deal sort of thing when there are this many people dying, this many people getting sick from it. And on the conversation that this is automatically leading into about opening up schools and then beginning to think of my own personal reality in about a month of what that might look like being in a classroom. Ventilation, who knows how good that is. How many kids? We don't know. All these plans are up in the air and I got to give the Champaign School District credit for being open to ideas, right? And, and, and many other districts in the state of Illinois as well. But when I hear things that he says, when I hear the, the governor of Missouri say, yeah, the kids will get it, but they'll be fine in a day. With little to no regard about the fact that these people don't just have it and then the virus goes away. They have it and it spreads. So kids go home, parents get it, grandparents, whatever it may be. College football players get it. They don't just stay in the bubble on campus. No, they go out to parties. They go to Walgreens. They go to CVS, just like other people in the community. As if this thing doesn't spread. It's just this sort of, this person gets it, they'll be fine. Story over. Well, if only it were that easy, but it's not. So I, I hope that wasn't too soapboxy. I, I know that whenever we broach these sort of topics that it could easily become that, and I don't want to ever appear as someone that, uh, you know, considers himself an expert on these sorts of things. But in trying to speak with nuance and explore the gray areas and acknowledge that, yeah, we got to live our lives, but we probably should do so cautiously. I find this sort of method being used by the Clay Travises of the world and other people. I mean, conversations that he's having or conversations that are going on in garages in bars, wherever bars may be open. <laughs> you know, these are the kind of conversations that are going on there, and they are being done in a way where the people having them probably feel as if it's logical enough. You know, it makes enough sense. And at the end of the day, I, I don't think we should lose sight on, on the core of this thing, which is it's dangerous enough. It's dangerous enough to really take it seriously. So um, I hope and I assume that all of you are doing that. And it, it means that, yeah, go to the grocery store. Yeah, hang out with some friends. But do you wear a mask? Do you exercise caution? Do you social distance? All those sorts of things. Because you know what? I got to be honest. And Pat Forty addressed this in an article. You know, Clay Travis talks about college football media. They don't want college football to come back because they hate Donald Trump. No, no, no. If college football doesn't come back, kind of like Pat Forty says, I blame Donald Trump. I do. Messaging matters. So Clay Travis, we can laugh at him, and I probably devoted way too much time. And this is probably the only time I will on this show, to be honest, for a guy that's got like, I don't know, 700,000 followers on Twitter. Clearly, this is a guy that's going to do well for a while in sports media. I think he's made it in terms of popularity. But no, at the end of the day, I blame Donald Trump and others, even some people I know, for being so cavalier about this thing that we may actually be in danger of not getting college football. Yes. I do blame them. I blame people that didn't wear a mask until like a week ago, that laughed at others that did, that downplayed people trying to look out for others in their community by simply wearing a mask when they went to the grocery store. 
Yeah, I blame them for the fact that I may not have as fun of a fall Saturday in September, October than I would if people had just worn their stupid mask. The insanity of all this is that you can already see where this is going when Clay Travis talks about Big Ten, Pac-12, you know, those West Coast elites tucking their tails between their legs in the face of this pandemic. You can see where this is going. When college football has a shortened season on top of the already shortened season that these Power Five conferences are, are putting out there, when things get derailed in October because we simply weren't able to control this thing, he's not going to say a damn word about the inaction of our government, specifically the federal government, specifically the White House. He won't say a word about that. No. He will blame the people that exercise too much caution. You know, there could be 20 guys that get positive test on Michigan. And he would say, you know, Jim Harbaugh just needs to buck up. Next man up. Those 20 guys can't play. They should play the game on Saturday. That's just what it is. And I think about how someone like that gets to essentially build a career on these illogical musings. And maybe there's some frustration there because I'm thinking, okay, you know, and there's a lot of luck involved. And I'm sure he's a hard enough worker, but you get to that point of that power and influence. Come on, actually use your brain here. And, and, and quit attacking straw men that don't really have anything to do with it. He'll continue doing so. He's got his audience. He's got his demographic. The meat and potatoes common sense guy, who, which actually is not common sense at all. It's really just a guy who's a blowhard who has decided to temper his delivery a little bit in order to appear smarter, more intelligent. Well, Godspeed, Clay Travis, and, and best of luck to you. He make far more money than I ever will in this game. <laughs> but at the end of the day, at least I try to make sure that whatever I talk about here and the opinions that I share, I, I try to make sure that I can jive that with my conscience. And maybe he can. I mean, this might actually be his worldview. And that's a little bit frightening. But at the end of the day, I hope he does better. Unfortunately, I'm not too optimistic about that. Just Looking at his uh, OutKick is the name of him and Jason Whitlock's media company here. And some of these latest things include, let's see, the celebration for Dr. Fauci opening day first pitch is a farce. Fauci's been all over the map with sports. His fear-mongering and both sizing makes this stunt nauseatingly hypocritical. Oh, my goodness. So they don't like Dr. Fauci because God knows he is the enemy of the people. Don't trust doctors. Another direct quote from Clay Travis. Again, you can follow at OutKick if you just want to see <laughs> uh, machismo run amok. Quote, remember the Corona bros? What's that? Who said there won't be sports in 2020? The MLB starts Thursday. The NFL had players report today. The NHL and NBA next week. And the MLS and the PGA are already back. I think the WNBA is back, but I wouldn't know if they were or weren't. Wow. So we have a little bit of uh, misogyny in there as well. In fact, it looks like they played a funny game of WNBA trivia with the sport returning this weekend. So, okay. <laughs> I laugh kind of as a defense mechanism because just kind of going down the Clay Travis rabbit hole, you realize that you know it's not even dog whistle stuff. He's just saying things that are just kind of uh, nasty at the end of the day. Now, that could be construed as, oh, Carp, don't be such a baby about it. No, it's, it's not that. He can say what he wants to. He can make as much money as he wants to. I wouldn't say that he needs to be canceled or anything like that. But I wish there were accountability for when people say things that are either disingenuous, just plain disinformation. And at the very top of this OutKick Twitter page, it says, fearless data-driven sports reporting. Data-driven. Hardly. Hardly. 
don't get don't get construed that. If you want to talk about fake news, <laughs> there's your example right there. Uh, and unfortunately, this all gets lumped into larger issues, like the president today tweeting out that any sport where someone kneels, he's done, he's out. And as Trevor Valisa tweeted out, okay, see ya, bye. And I don't think any sports fan would necessarily have a worse experience watching their favorite sport because Donald Trump stopped watching it himself. But no matter how used to this we get, it's still disheartening to have the president say things like this. And it's racist. It's, it's Whatever tag you want to throw, it probably is that. And the dog whistle thing is gone. They're just saying these things out loud now. And he has a problem, of course, with people kneeling because he probably doesn't like black people all that much at the end of the day. So when people, back when the Kaepernick thing started, they would text into Tane Carp, they'd say, come on, don't mix sports and politics. When it's happening at the very top. So to ignore it would be disingenuous. To not call out when people are saying hateful or derogatory things, that would be ignoring the elephant in the room. It's right there, and it's coming from the very top. So I, I appreciate the fact that this is a form that you listeners have allowed this to kind of, you know, branch out a little bit. Things that we were not talking about regularly from the outset of this, but it is what's going on. And the Clay Travis thing, you lump that into the larger thing happening at the very top levels of the White House, and you see that there is this sort of seedy underbelly here, all the way down to sports media, and how certain people consume it, and that they are allowing these narratives to become their worldview, that this is how they're going to operate, not just in terms of sports, but how they view Black Lives Matter, or how they view COVID-19, Real-world issues that, thank God, the data-driven people of OutKick are giving us all the facts. Nothing but the facts, man. And it, it has an impact. So, you know, stay alert, eyes open, read stuff. And hey, also, don't take my word for, you know, <laughs> certainly not gospel, right? I'm, I'm no expert uh, about a lot of these things. But I am kind of going off of... I think a, a little bit of a mix of gut, right? You know, what feels wrong in my heart of hearts, but also the fact that a lot of the information that you're being presented with from these sorts of outlets, being told they're actually factual, that kind of rhymes, are not. So that's a long-winded way to answer that tweet that I got yesterday. Why all the hatred for Clay Travis? Again, not hatred, but a little bit of concern that that is becoming more of a mainstream sort of thing and that we are not really calling out what is actually ridiculous sports coverage. And it's not even sports coverage. He goes beyond that, just like we do here. But I hope I'm not ridiculous. Maybe I am a little bit ridiculous. Uh, I guess he kind of would have to be if you could operate a, a solo show to the extent that he or Colin Kaepernick or a lot of these other guys do. There is talent there. And uh, thank goodness, I say thank goodness, I enjoy doing this. Could I do it 10 hours a week? As a solo person, you know, I need to make sure to bulk up the guests and all that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I think when you're on the air that much, you're going to naturally say things that are not 100% true, factual. I mean, you're kind of going stream of consciousness, so things will come out. But I think a lot of the big points that you see, you know, make the rounds on Twitter, the highlights, so to speak, those are prepared. Those are thought through, and they are crafted to get the largest response possible and they do their job in that regard now as we sit here on july 21st with sports coming back and yeah he's right sports are coming back i was leery of that happening though it always seemed to me like professional sports there was a much better opportunity of that and we will see on college football because that is the 
big one. That's the, the whole lot of obstacles to get over before they actually play those games for college football this fall. But with baseball starting up on Thursday, with the NBA, which I'm not the biggest NBA fan in the world, but it's sports. It's back. MLS, I have not watched the MLS. I've not really watched PGA, but it is back. And we should be excited for that. And the NBA being able to do what they did in the bubble. It shows that the virus, with planning, it can be contained, right? You look at the management between what the federal government has done, or I should say what they haven't done, in terms of messaging, making sure that the American public feels as if they're all in this together and not doing that divide and conquer BS. Contrast that with the NBA. And yeah, it's a lot easier to do this or accomplish this in a bubble. And they got that at Walt Disney World, whatever resort they're using. But zero, zero positive test. That's remarkable. And seven-day quarantine aside, that they were able to actually carry this out and may be able to get through this entire rest of the season and postseason without a hitch. Remarkable. And it can be done. The NFL, that's the next big hurdle here. And it seems as if that's not trending well when you have all these NFL stars tweeting out that the health and safety protocols, they're not where they need to be. It looks like a step may be made to not have any preseason games. And that would be one way to make the players union feel a little bit better about things. But there's still a lot to be done. And it all goes back to just the nature of that sport. Baseball may very well be fine. I'm watching these games and yeah, I know that a batter and a catcher are fairly close to each other along with the ump, but it is all outside. There is distancing going on and the dugouts and all that sort of thing. Maybe they can get it done, right? As long as they don't get it at the hotel or on the bus or the plane. But for the most part, they are kind of staying in their own bubbles, just not quite as isolated as the NBA. I think they can get it done, but unfortunately there will be good teams and good players that are bit by their ace or their middle-of-the-order hitter getting COVID-19 in the stretch run in September. That's going to happen, and I'm just fingers crossed that it doesn't happen to uh, Garrett Cole or Aaron Judge. Injuries used to be the concern. Now it's going to be one of your best guys having a positive test. But with the NFL and with football in general, I think we have reason to be leery that this actually happens. And I don't know what that looks like. I I don't think that the plug would necessarily get pulled before the season even started. I think you could find a situation where the season does start and you have a rampant outbreak amongst a team, a few teams, and the first guy that goes to the hospital for this, that is admitted to a hospital, offensive or defensive lineman in all likelihood, like we spoke with Sheldon Jacobson about, at-risk individuals, then all of a sudden people are going to be rightly a little bit freaked out. And the fun that you would have watching a sport, all of a sudden that fun kind of goes away when you feel as if one's life may be at stake. Now, I realize on its face that coming out of my mouth is a little bit ridiculous talking about football when you have the head injuries and everything that goes with that. It is naturally a brutal sport. But specifically with college football student-athletes, having them play for free and then asking them to put themselves at risk to contract this thing and maybe get very sick from it, that's that's a big hill to climb. And for the NFL, that's a players' union issue where they may just say, you know what, no, not going to do it. All that uncertainty made today's episode a little bit interesting, right? I appreciate you for going along this ride with me because it is stream of consciousness. It's working through things that have been on my mind. And unfortunately, there weren't a whole lot of games to talk about. That, of course, is going to change as we go forward. Also, a little bit of house cleaning. We are going to be gone next week. I say we. Family's heading up to uh, Wisconsin, the Northwoods there, for the week. 
as we usually do, for some R&R. God knows I don't really need it because I've been at home all summer and all the way back to March when we were doing remote learning, but it will be nice to get away and, and have that tradition again. But going forward, we are working on something very exciting, and I cannot divulge any details, but I promise you that if it seems like we're slowing up a little bit in the next two to three weeks, it's not because you know, the 200 level, we're just going to kind of let slide. No, it's not that at all. We are working on something very exciting and putting some energy into that. So I hope to bring you some news sometime in the next two, three weeks that I think you all would be very excited about. But in the meantime, if it seems like the output is decreasing behind the scenes, I promise you it's not. And it will be building towards a lot of fun stuff as we actually get back to the games on the field and on the court. So Bear with me for that. You've already bore with me through an entire pandemic where we don't have any sports to talk about. And I, I really do appreciate that. And if you want to help us out, and you already do by just listening, but if you want to really help us out, rate or review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. The more ratings and reviews we get, the higher we appear in the search engine when someone types Illini, Illini football, Illini basketball. Oh, look, the 200 level. Never heard of that. I'm going to check it out. Builds our audience, and all it takes is a simple click. Whether it's five stars or one star, maybe you hate listen to this podcast, and that's fine by me, whatever you got to do. Um, one last thing, and this is kind of random. I'm going to end this podcast with not the usual pretender song that we do. The pretenders are great, but it's a little self-serving, I will admit. My band's first single for our upcoming album came out today. So I'm going to have that here at the end of the podcast. It's about four minutes long. If you want to skip it, you can just go to your next podcast. If you want to check it out, you can check it out. But I'm going to have it here anyways. Yeah, shameless self-promotion, but what the heck, right? So hopefully you enjoy that. Our band's name is Decadence, and we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And this will be available for download on Friday. So I'll get a link up there to our Facebook and Twitter and probably push that through the at fanboycarp Twitter as well. Shameless self-promotion over. But before we get out of here, i got to remind you that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Really cool new designs ahead of football season. We'll let you know more about those as we get closer. But in the meantime, go to fourthandkirby.com, coupon code 200 level, fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Trevor Valise's favorite domain. Understandably. Brian is my guy.com. Alana Inquire, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners of the 200 level. Exciting stuff coming up. In the meantime, I wanted to leave you with this shameless self promotion. I do apologize ahead of time, but hopefully you enjoy it. If you like rock music, there's a little bit of ACDC in this, there's a little bit of disco almost in the bridge, especially. I'm going to do a little bit of a radio DJ introduction here as we lead into the song. This lead single from Deccan's upcoming fourth album called Fever Dreams coming out August 21st, 2020, wherever music is available. Here's some brand new music. This is Out of Your Head.
some coke and 